What's up, Cougar fans? Welcome to episode 12 of the Holy City Hoops podcast. Tommy Glasgow here. I'll cut right to the chase. Not a great week for Charleston basketball. If you remember last week in our episode with Andrew Miller of the Post and Courier, we spoke about how important this trip up to Northeastern and Hofstra was going to be for this team. Uh, Cougars go 0-2 on that trip, however. They picked up their fourth conference loss on Saturday to a Hofstra team that, in case you hadn't heard, is on the longest winning streak in the country. Uh, But that fourth loss matches Charleston's total CAA losses from last season, uh, except this year they do it in seven games rather than in the 18-game conference schedule. The good news, though, is that the season is not going to get any harder than that trip was. It's all much easier from here on out, and my guest and I this week are going to get pretty candid about where the Cougars seem to come up short in these last two games and sort of what their ceiling is as a team going forward. My guest is Martin Trojanowski, whose name you might not know, but he is one of the biggest, most dedicated Cougar basketball fans I know. He moderates the long-running message board cofcfans.com. If you follow Charleston or just CAA basketball in general, you probably have made your way over to that site to see what the chatter is before and after games. I won't blow Martin's cover, but I'm sure you can guess what his username is on that site. He is one of the more level-headed posters there, uh, and that's kind of what Charleston fans need right now, right? We need somebody who's going to reel us in a little bit, uh, help us Cougar fans keep our cool, so I think you'll enjoy my conversation with Martin this week. Once again, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Tell your friends it's on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and at HolyCityHoops.com. Hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, very excited to have my next guest on. He is the voice of reason on the CFC fans message board. Martin Trojanowski, you're here to help us make sense of this two-game skid. How you doing? I'm doing great, Tommy. It's an honor to be on. Oh, that's high praise that I, <laughs> I don't think I deserve. Uh, well, I'm, I'm glad you're here at this time because the Cougars are kind of skidding. Uh, they've lost four or five. There's definitely some issues with the team right now, some things they need to clean up. Um, what do you make of, of these last two games? Yeah, it's a bit of a cold shower. Uh, we were riding so high from that from doing non-conference that I think everybody thought we were just going to roll, and it, it hasn't happened. Um, I think, you know, when you get into conference play, you everybody knows you so much better. They've scouted you so much more. And non-con, it's more about you do what you do and try to beat the other guy. Here, it's just amazing how well-prepared everybody is for us and what we do and kind of uh, try to minimize some of our natural advantages, and it's caught up to us. I was trying to diagnose what the issues were. I know everybody has their different theories, whether it's a lack of leadership, if it's kind of a lack of the competitive edge that maybe the team had last year when they were trying to go out with uh, when that senior class was trying to go out with an NCAA tournament bid. Um, But the familiarity from CAA opponents is definitely something that probably factors in. So let's, let's start with Northeastern because I think you saw that in that game. Uh, Sean Osias absolutely swallowed up Grant Riller and the team did not seem to be operating at full capacity on the offensive side. Yeah, well, uh, Bill Cohen is going to be one of the best, probably the best, one of the best uh, X's and O's coaches in the CAA. And uh, he plays a chess match with Earl every year. And they probably defend us better than any team in the CAA. Uh, they And 
back in years past when you could roll out a lineup of Joe and Grant and Jarrell and the criminally underrated Cam Johnson, you it's so much harder to beat us because anybody can put points on the board. And now when so much of the focus is on Jarrell and Grant, you do what they do. It's it's easier for a guy for a master like Bo Cohen to shut us down. And uh, and basically he was daring anybody else but Grant and Jarrell to beat us. You know, he made Grant run through a wall of people and every time Jarrell got the ball anywhere near the post, he got doubled. And it was tough. Yeah, I think you kind of saw the the shortcomings of the supporting cast there. Uh, not really a third scorer in that game, which the team kind of needs every game. Uh, Galloway struggled to, to hit from outside. Marquise Pointer, you know, had had was maybe the third scorer in this game, but he took 10 shots, which was more than Jarrell or Grant took. And I said this on the message board. I mean, Marquise Pointer gets a, a lifetime pass from me for what he did in the CAA championship game, but him taking more shots than anybody on the team is probably not a good sign. Yeah, I think I think Earl's just made a conscious decision to get Marquise up to game speed as quickly as he can at the cost of maybe early results. I, you know, the problem with Marquise is he's not a big guy and he's not lightning quick. He's you know a great player, a heady player, but he he's going to struggle when he goes in the trees because he doesn't have quickness to rely on, nor he doesn't have size. And uh, and I think he's still a shade. He's still a shade slow from last year, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that changes. But, um, yeah, you can definitely see some of the uh, deficiencies. Yeah. So that, that game starts off sort of a classic rock fight in the first half. The team's going to the break tied at 23. Northeastern was 0 for 14 from 3. But Charleston had 10 turnovers, uh, more than they typically have in a game they had in the first half. So I don't know which team is feeling better about their chances at halftime, but you know, Northeastern comes out of the gates in the second half, shoots close to lights out, um, 68% in that half, including three for seven from three, um, and they start to pull away. What what did you see from them? Yeah, I was really worried about, half, about halftime because you knew that Northeastern's a great shooting team, and they're not going to go over 14 from the game, you know? So I felt that we gave them far too many easy buckets in that first half. I don't, I don't, I don't have a count, but a good portion of their offense in that first half was just run outs and layups. Yeah. From the turnovers. Once there's once the, once the uh, shooting percentage kind of went back to their average, we were in deep trouble and we just didn't have the horses to keep up. Yeah. We played, I felt like we played good half court deep. Once when it, when they were just playing half court offense against us, we generally played well. But uh, late in that second half, Golden Brace, who had a great game for them, hit a couple really tough shots right at the end of the shot clock, and you know they just found a way to win it. They're a good team. So I'm still, I mean, I'd like to get your opinion on this because I still don't know what to make of the Cougar defense. We obviously are tops in the league in points allowed, but I feel like a lot of that is pace. Uh, I, in terms of shooting percentage defense, we're, we're middle of the pack, and the CAA is not a great defensive league right now. So I know we, we keep them under under pace from three, but you look at their numbers from two, they shot almost 80% for the game from two. And I know a lot of that is scheme, you know, running guys off the line and things like that, but I don't know if the Cougar defense looked as good as 69 points on the box score shows. What, what did you think? I mean, it's some of that's just clouded by the fact that they had so many runouts, and yeah. I think 
Pushita had a couple plays where he just went coast to coast and hit a layup. So we gave them a lot of easy buckets. And um, so it's it's you know it's hard to measure the rest of your half court defense based on so much such a large chunk of their points coming from that. But I see what you're saying, and I and I think it's just that you know you lose a you lose a fantastic defender like Cam Johnson, and there's going to be some regression on our ability to play D. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So the team, you know, maybe they have an okay game defensively. Sixty nine or sixty points for the Cougars again just shows those offensive limitations um couple you know guys on the bench who stood out uh miller had a nice game with eight points and five rebounds he had that and one uh which was pretty clutch uh jalen richard nine points uh hit a three but he did have three turnovers in just 15 minutes i know some people are saying he needs to get more time i i i think you kind of still see freshman moments from from Richard and, and Sam Miller is still kind of working his way back. Uh, Sam Miller is a great, I like Sam Miller. He's a great player. He doesn't give you quite as much defense as Nick Harris does, but he's a little bit more agile and he's obviously far superior in his offensive game. So, I mean, Earl, Earl seems to run by some ironclad rules and he, and I think he wants guys to earn their time. So I don't know if Earl's going to start starting Sam Miller over Nick Harris. But I think one of the things you may see is more time for Sam Miller. As far as Jalen Richard, I, I mean, the kids, he is just like a lightning bolt. I mean, he's a, he can be out of control sometimes. I, I remember look, thinking about it uh, during the game against Northeastern uh, where he had made some great plays, and I just had this gut feeling that something bad was going to happen. I can't remember what he, he turned it over. He, he sometimes puts the blinders on and will just dribble into a crowd. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I mean... If you, I mean, you could invest a lot of time in with Jalen right now to try to get him ready for for the conference tournament because that's really all it's, what it's about. But uh, I don't, I don't know if that's the direction I'd go. I, I like his about ten to fifteen as a change of pace guy. Um, but um, I, I can understand why people have other opinions just because of his capabilities. Yeah. So this game, uh, Cougars did cut it close toward the end of the game. Um, they, they played some good defense down the stretch but i don't think they ever got within maybe a, a possession or two of of coming all the way back we didn't see i mean they were down 16 so give them some credit for for cutting it down to whatever it was late in the game but um couldn't get over the hump late and and the coos lose this one 69 60 anything else from this game before we move on to hofstra uh yeah i mean i think you know, Earl plays a pretty vanilla D that he just plays a lot of man-to-man and he just wants you to see if you can if you can beat him in his in our man-to-man. And maybe the next time we play him, I'd probably like to see us mix it up a little bit better, maybe run some press, try to do, try to get some ways to get easy baskets because they're not necessarily going to make you pay. Well, we did see a uh, – we're jumping ahead here, but we did see sort of a desperation change in defense against Hofstra, uh, which I think you pointed out on the message board. But – um Let's let's move on to Hofstra. So you try to salvage the trip uh, by not going 0-2, but it's a tall order. Uh, Hofstra is obviously rolling right now. Longest win streak in the country as of this recording. Uh, 12 games, including seven in a row in the CAA. So knew this was going to be a tough game. Cougars get off to a good start. But um, again, we kind of saw those limitations with turnovers and with defense. Yeah, I don't know what it is about this Cougar squad. I haven't. 
had the time to really dive in deeper, but it, somehow in the middle of that first half, we tend to, maybe it's when that first set of subs comes in, but uh, we seem to hit a wall with a lot of teams in that for about 10 minutes into that first half. And you'll either see a team kind of blow it open or take the lead on us then. And the Hofstra game kind of fit that pattern just like the other ones. They're playing with a lot of confidence right now. And you could tell they moved the ball really, really well. They, I was really impressed with their passing. I was really impressed by that big man they have. I think that guy Taylor, he's, yeah. he's better. He's an upgrade over Goosties because he is so much more agile. He's faster. And he fits what they want to do probably a little better than Goosties did, even though Goosties was a really solid player for them. Yeah, Goosties brought the the rebounding, but he was cl- kind of plotting and didn't didn't protect the rim too well. So I agree. I, I think Taylor. I mean, you saw two or three of his blocks in that game, and you know they're they're going to play faster, and they can do that with him. Yeah, one of one of the ways that teams attack RD is to pull Nick out in into the perimeter yep. where he's really, really uncomfortable. And against Northeastern, they would just shoot over Nick and just bank on their big man getting the rebound. And in Hasha, they would slip that screen with Taylor, who's just so fast. And I think he had two or three dunks coming off uh, off slipping the screen. Yeah, there were some just line drives to the basket when he would slip that. So he's, he's going to be really tough to manage moving forward. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I was going to point out the run that Hofstra took midway through the first half as well. I mean, it was great to not see a slow start from the Cougs. Uh, I think Riller hit the first three of the game. They get out, like, 9-2 to two or whatever, and then Hofstra goes on that run, jumps out to a 15-12 lead. I think it was a, a 9 or a 10-0 run. And that was kind of the first signs that that Hofstra offense was really going to not meet much pushback from, from the Cougars. And they go on to shoot 62% from the game. Uh, for the game, again, second straight time, the Cougars gave up more than 50%. And defense and protecting the ball are supposed to be two sort of key pillars of Earl Grant's system. So it's just uh, a little disappointing to see the team not show up in those two areas. Yeah, absolutely right. I think, um, I mean, Hasha has a couple guys that are really tough to manage. I, I know that Justin Wright Foreman gets all the attention. The guy I was particularly worried about before the game was Eli Pemberton. Uh, looked like we tried to play him with Jarrell. And that's a tough ask for Jarrell because that guy has 6'5", 6'6", length, but he moves like a guard. And uh, to ask Jarrell to kind of stay with that is really, really tough. And he can shoot. I mean, Hofstra was on fire at one point. I mean, I think they had a sub come in, Shane Ray, and he just dropped four threes in a row. So, I mean, some yeah, of he it can shoot. There's like they're a competent team and they hit a bunch of threes, and um, it's tough to deal with that when you, you know, it's either you gotta you gotta just kept keep up and we weren't able to keep up. Let's talk about the uh, the defense again because man to man for most of the game, uh, and then I think toward the end of the second half when the Cougars were down double digits at that point, you see uh, Coach Grant move to his zone. What do you think of, of the decision to do that? Do you think yeah, that was the right move? I, I think it was actually he even did that earlier than than the second half. Either it was earlier early in the second half or late in the first half. And I when as soon as I saw us move the zone that early in the game, because Earl had traditionally thrown in zones very late in games just to throw a team off, just to get a, a stop here or there. But to see us go zone 
so early in in a in a game shows that he knew that we weren't able to stop them man to man, and it's that's a significant thing. And yeah. I think it helped briefly, but there's only so long uh, you can go to that, especially with a team that's shooting as well as Hofstra was. I mean, they were like uh, you know almost fifty percent from three. I mean, you're, it's gonna be hard to maintain his own defense with that. So I mean, do we think it's it's past the point where? I think the JMU game was a game where people were like, ah, well, you know, sometimes a team's going to outshoot us, but now it's almost becoming a trend. I mean, Delaware didn't shoot very well. Northeastern struggled in the first half, but I don't know if it's just the, the level of competition or the CFC defense is just not where it's it should be at this point in the season. I don't think there's an easy answer for that question. I, I, think, um, I think part of it is the road. I mean, winning games on the road at CSA, CAA has always been tough, especially, you know, we've had so much, such a high concentration of road games early on in the season. Yeah. But um, I think losing that, uh, losing Cam as a guy who you can just knock, you know, just have him bother a team's other score is tough because Grant's not a bad defender, but. We're asking him to do so much scoring now. It's hard for him to have to. He's got to be able to take breaks on the court. And Jarrell just gets into foul trouble if he if he gets too excited on D. Um, so, and I think Brevin's come a long way. And I'd probably, uh, if I was Earl, try to go with Brevin a little bit more because he seems like a, a decent defender. Mm-hmm. He's at least working really hard on defense. But um, we've been juggling that lineup a lot. Let's segue from from Brevin because there was some good stuff in this game. Cougars, you know, probably did enough offensively to win, uh, which was good because that first half I was just thinking, oh, man, like here comes, you know, the Cougars are playing a, a zone defense again. They're just doing like the windshield wiper, passing the ball around the arc. Uh, but they hit some threes in this game. I think, uh, you know, one of their better shooting nights from three, Brevin Galloway had a nice night. And they did pretty well against the zone overall. I mean, aside from those turnovers, um, JB has a great game, uh, has a double-double. Grant Riller goes for 24 on 14 shots. Galloway, again, third score that we need. What would you make of the offense? You know, Grant Riller's offensive performance was incredible. I, he, he only missed like three shots. And, and kind of saying to what Andrew Miller said last week, I think – in these kind of clash of the Titans, top of the conference type games, you're probably going to have to ask a guy like Grant that if you can't score your 24 point average, we're going to need you to score you. You're going to need to score about 34, and he's just going to have to be a bit more selfish in these games and, and just do more, uh, especially if he's having such an easy time scoring. Um, I, I mentioned on the message board too that he only had he only had two free throw attempts. Yeah, uh, and, and those were technical three throws. So no one, they never called a foul on Hofstra, which I thought was a little home cooking there. But yeah. um, but he's gonna have, JB and Grant are just gonna have to pull pull more of the load in these type of games, as long as they're not in foul trouble. Yeah, and I, I think both of them, you know, showed up. I mean, Brantley goes nineteen and twelve with five assists. Um, but again, it's just the turnovers and the the layup line defense that. They just couldn't stop Hofstra from from putting the ball in the hoop. And that was it was more about defense than our ability to score in that game for sure. Yeah. 
So if you're Coach Grant, what is, what's the focus uh, in practice this upcoming week? Um, I think some of the supporting cast has lost a little bit of confidence. Uh, Jalen McManus uh, hasn't responded very well, I think, to Miller kind of inching in on his minutes. And uh, Zap has really completely fallen off the cliff offensively. Uh, I think the focus has to be on kind of getting getting back to basics and, and just getting some confidence back in these next couple of games, getting some wins, getting some wind in our sails. And yeah. uh, even though I've mentioned that in kind of big games, we need Jarrell and Grant to take over, I'd like in these in this homestand to try to see if you can build up the confidence of the supporting cast a little bit. It's a, it's a good takeaway. But it's still, I mean, the, the reality check is that they go 0-2 on this trip, uh, now 3-4, and four, uh, four games back of Hofstra for first place. How significant is it that CFC is, it, is where they are now? Well, if you look at it compared to where it was, in two years ago we lost four games in conference and got second place behind UNCW. And last year we lost four games in conference and won the, won yeah. the, turn, won the whole thing. And now we already have our four losses. So, uh, I mean, we don't control our own destiny anymore. I think Hofstra will slip here or there, but uh, we probably have given up our chance on winning the CAA regular season. Yeah, I'm not too worried about a, a, a buy issue. I still think we'll get in the top four. Like, there isn't really a, a fourth team that's kind of rising above the rest to take that fourth spot for us, but we certainly got to play better. Who do you have as the top three uh, outside Northeastern and Hofstra? Delaware? Yeah, right now it's Delaware. I mean, you go into Northeastern and win, that's impressive. We couldn't do it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think uh, I think their coach, whose name escapes me right now, is actually probably one of the better coaches in the league. He's a good young coach. Yeah, Inglesby. Inglesby, that's right. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're shooting for the, the two or the three seed now uh, at best. Um, maybe you can catch Northeastern. You definitely have to win the game at TD Arena. If you can beat Hofstra, in the rematch game in Charleston, that certainly helps. But I agree. I don't. I don't see the one seed as a possibility. But I certainly think we are not going to fall as far as Elon and Towson. Um, and then you just have to win your rematches versus Drexel and JMU and not slip up in any more home games. Really. Next up, two of those teams we just mentioned, Elon uh, and William and Mary. Are you at the point where those are must-win games? Oh yeah, for sure. Those are must-win games. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Elon Elon shoots a ton of threes. They uh, they're amongst the highest. I have checked before this, but uh, they're once the, one of the highest three-point attempt shooting teams, and they've been able to to catch us a few times since our days in the SoCon. And uh, they're always dangerous just because if, if they have an on-night shooting, then you know they're that Davidson style. They can beat you. Their two biggest guys that really used to hurt us, uh, Dimitri Thompson mm-hmm. and Brian Dawkins, aren't there anymore. So I feel pretty good about our chances. I mean, Brian Dawkins was a, was a beast against us because he's that type of big man that can go out behind the arc and pull Nick out and just shoot threes over him. And we just, that's kind of kryptonite on our D sometimes. Yeah, both those teams, William and Mary and Elon, are probably going to hoist a, a ton of threes. William and Mary's offense is one that the Cougars have have struggled with in the past. Uh, Shaver's system is is one that you have to be pretty disciplined on. So, 
hopefully the Elon game is one where the Cougars show up and kind of keep their foot on the gas and, and pull away like they did in that Delaware game. And William and Mary, you're just hoping to uh, to kind of stifle that that offense and get enough from your offense to uh, to score maybe 80 plus. I mean, there, William and Mary is. Still, I mean, I'm, I'm not quite as bullish on the William, William and Mary game as I am on the Elon game, just because their big man Nathan Knight is a, is a monster on the CA level. He's he can shoot the outside shot. He's agile. If we put Nick on an island against him, he's going to have about 25, 30 points. Yeah, he did and, in the in the CA tournament against us. Yeah, and in years past, we were able to outscore that. This year, it doesn't look like we're kind of producing at that level. So I, I'm curious to see if, if Earl plays him kind of vanilla or actually tries to put a couple wrinkles in. We'll see what happens there. Let's let's quickly go around the CAA a little bit. Um, we already talked about Hofstra on that win streak. Uh, obviously, UVA falling at Duke gives Hofstra the, the biggest win streak in the country. I thought William & Mary losing at home to Elon just makes them all the more confusing. They've kind of taken the title from Delaware as the most confusing team in the CAA to me, where they can play Hofstra to, a, I think, as a triple overtime game and then lose at home to Elon. What do you make of the current CA standings and uh, where everybody's at right now? I think, I think once you get past Hofstra and Northeastern and to a lesser extent us at this point, there's just a lot of parity in the league and, and anyone can beat anybody. Uh, and I mean, I granted I didn't watch the Elon William and Mary game, but you know, if Elon shoots enough threes, they're, they're, they're going to be tough against anybody. Um, and right now Hofstra, you know, Hofstra, I messaged, I mentioned on the board that Hofstra reminded me a lot of the, um, the Cougars team on Cougars teams under Bobby Cremens, really, really tight bench. They just, they, they're so, they've got such good flow on their offense that, you know, that's what, when you play seven deep, that's what that does is guys are just really locked in. Now the question for them is, are they built to win a CAA tournament in three games in three days? You know, that's where right. that, the system bites you later. Uh, but they're they're clearly the most impressive team in the uh, in the league. Yeah, there are some shades of of Kremens. I mean, when they go four guards, all all three point shooters, and yeah, definitely the the short rotation and the pace and all that. But the defense, I would say, is is a little bit better. For me, the Northeastern's still the favorite. I mean, Northeastern went to Hofstra and lost on a desperation, you know, buzzer beater three by JW uh, Justin Wright Foreman. They can kind of adapt to play different styles and they have a lock-on defender in Osius. I think Northeastern's probably still the favorite in my mind, even though they slipped against Delaware, but uh, doesn't mean that Hofstra isn't going to win the regular season. Yeah, that's a good point. Anything else on the uh, on the CAA or, or these upcoming games? Nope, just need wins. Just need wins. All right, well, as we as we wrap up here, Martin, tradition here is to give you the floor for the last couple minutes so whatever you want to spout on about uh the floor is yours yeah um i guess i'll, I'll give a plug to the uh to cfc fans our dot com our message board that's when i first interacted with you tommy and uh so a lot of guys have been there for decades just crazy here but yeah uh, literally <laughs> i know and uh it's a good group of people they a lot of knowledge gets thrown around and people that are really passionate about CFC basketball 
and you know for folks like myself who's moved away from Charleston it's it's a way to connect with folks that uh, you know really want to talk basketball CNT basketball so if you're ever looking for uh, people to interact with or you just want to get a write-up of the game or you want to hear about those new recruits uh, CFC fans is a great place and a great resource. What if I have a, uh, a hit list of people that I want uh, expelled from the platform? As a moderator, can I pass that to you and, and you can take care of them? Yeah, we try to give people a pretty long <laughs> leash. Uh, it's, a, it's a weird job. I mean, I, I, from my experience in the online world, CFC fans is pretty tame. But uh, yeah, we've got a couple of folks that uh, can spice things up at times. <laughs> All right. Well, Martin, thanks for, for taking the time to jump on here. Appreciate your insights on the Cougs. And uh, like you said, we'll just uh, hope for two wins next week. Thanks a lot, Tommy. I really enjoy the podcast and keep doing it. Keep it up, buddy. Appreciate it. Have a good one. You too.